Welcome to Just Life, where we share our life experiences and lessons to make your life easier. We are on a mission to become the best versions of ourselves, and if you're trying to do the same, you're in the right place. Let's talk about life. Hey guys, welcome back to Just Life. This is Cicely, and I am here with, of course, Lou. We got a good episode for you today, but I do want to give a little warning in the beginning. There will be some talk about suicide and other mental illnesses. So if you are ever feeling with or you're ever dealing with some mental health issues, always remember there are people out there that you can talk to. The hotline is 988, just three digits. Um, Today is also Mental Health Day. So we're going to talk about like the importance about your mental health and this is kind of why we started our podcast so today's a big day for us yeah it is well where should we start um what does mental health really mean like not not the way we characterize it online or like the way we talk about it what does it actually mean i think it's gotten very lost in translation over the past couple years especially with the pandemic happening and people dealing with issues from just being isolated from others. And I think the best way to categorize mental health is like the way you look at yourself, the way you treat yourself, and like also the way you treat other people. And all those things kind of correlate into what it means to be strong mentally and have good mental health. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I also think it's kind of your outlook on life and how you are perceiving life and how you like w- you want to have a future you want to put forth your greatest effort and like we've seen this mental health talk on the internet really expand after 2020 with the whole self-care movement and just like talking about mental health so I think there's definitely pros and cons to it um, but mostly pros yeah I think they're mostly like the conversation is self-help I don't think it's ac- actually effective the way people have relationships with mental health if that makes sense like I don't think it's effective the way people view each other in a sense that I feel I still think there's this lingering narcissism within people that don't really care about how you feel you know they just want something from you and that can be an issue I think that's an issue with like our generation in general but I do like to talk because it gives you the openness to just be who you are and talk about these things that have happened to you and I guess that's kind of why I want to talk about more so my journey today. Like, I went to therapy beginning of September last year, and my final session was October 5th, which was today, October 10th. So five days ago, had my last session. It's 13 months, and I've heard a lot about how therapy isn't good for you, and therapy is a scam, and they want you, they want to keep you there, they don't want to make you crazy, and. I think you know what I'm talking about, people who don't really believe in it. But I'll tell you, therapy was everything I ever needed from some, like, from a person, for myself. It gave me a new perspective on life, I guess you could say. Have you had any experiences with therapy yourself in that regard? I've never been to therapy. I've seen it work tremendously in some of my friends. Um, But back to, like, the cognitation of uh, the negative cognitation. Um, people are like, why would you pay for someone just to talk to them? But like, these are medical professionals who know what you are going through and they can help you through certain things that the normal person can't. What I realized too is that I wasn't paying for someone to talk to, I was paying for somebody to listen. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference. 
I can talk to a lot of people about a lot of things that go on in my head, but if they aren't listening, it doesn't matter, you know? Mm-hmm. If they don't have some kind of concern or sympathy or care, it doesn't matter if you talk to these people or not. You need genuine support, and that's what you're really paying for. You're paying for a support that nobody else in your life can give you at that point, you know? Mm-hmm. It, like now, I have such a big support system. It's not, it's not even big, it's just, I have people I can go to. And that is what's important, like you or other people in our club or other friends I have outside of Red Hawk Media. I have people I can go to. And I think that's the most essential part. It gives you that support. Yeah, I think a support system is very important because, like I've said before, you become the person you surround yourself with. I guess I should go more into detail, like, why I was in therapy to begin with. And... It didn't start in, like, 2021 or even 2020. For me, it started, like, 2017, like, long, way before I even thought, like, therapy was something I should do. When I was in high school, it was a lot of uncertainty and a lot of just, a lot of things going on. And it had to do with me being an athlete. I had three different coaches in four years, first of all, which that level of turmoil isn't good, I think, for anybody in any sport in general. But... Also, dealing with people in a different style. Like, as a freshman in high school, first of all, I'm a very confident person. I've always been a very confident person. As a freshman in high school, I was going to be on a varsity basketball team and start as a freshman. That was This was my first coach, actually. This was before school started. He had been coached for eight years. I had worked out with the team since I was in seventh grade. He knew me. He was grooming me to be, like, the next best player in our city, yada, yada, yada. And what happened was he got fired, like, a week after school started. They were talking about firing for months, actually. And got a new coach, a guy by the name of Pete Turkovich. He won, he won a state championship in the 70s. He won a state championship as a coach in 2007. Like, he didn't believe in playing younger players. So I had to, like, overcome that. And, like, this, th- that whole part was fine. Overcoming that, gaining somebody's trust. I think it was good for me as far as character goes because at that point in my life, I had worked hard, but it really showed me what it meant to like be mentally strong and go through something. But when I was going, going from 10th to 11th grade, my coach resigned because of another situation, and I got a new coach, and everything changed with it. Like, I started to despise basketball to such an extent that I, do not comp- I didn't comprehend until now. You wake up every day and you don't want to go to practice and you don't care for your teammates and but you're doing it because it's what you always done. And I was the best player on the team, I was captain on the team, so I'm obligated to be there, you know? I can't just quit. Like me quitting sports a year ago wasn't as big of a deal as if I would have quit when I was in eleventh grade. In eleventh grade, I was the only player on my team with varsity experience. I was I was the best player on the team and I was slated to have a great season and then it never happened. And that disappointment just kind of, it led me down a very dark, dark path. Like, and then, to add on to that, my grandfather passed away in January 2018. And it kind of, the grief on top of that, like the disappointment, it kind of sent me down like this spiraling, like, I don't know how to explain it. You were setting up expectations that like you couldn't control. Exactly. And I was spiraling like really bad. So, junior season, 
man, that was a really tough time, and I really didn't know what I was doing. To add on to that, it's like going into senior year, I hadn't been recruited by any schools, like at all. Had no interest from anybody. That's how bad of a year I had in my junior year. So senior year, you know, I, I kind of tried to lock in, and I lost a lot of friends, actually, going from junior to senior, now that I think about it. And there was just a level of isolation. Like, a lot of my friends, I didn't think they were treating me well. And to this day, I still don't have relationships like I used to with these people. Like, these were friends I had since, like, seventh, eighth grade. And I kind of told myself I had to get away from them. And that added on with all the pressure I put on myself just kept building. And then the pressure from, like, my parents, it just kept building. So, you know, senior year, beginning, you know, you're having fun and you got to apply to colleges. And, you know, it's your last year. It's great. But it wasn't like that for me. I had, like, a few fun days, of course. But I'm applying to schools. And I'm like, where am I going to go to school? What am I going to do? Like, I found myself paralyzed. I had no interest from any schools. I'm sending, like, my highlight film, which I barely had any of, actually, because my coach didn't record our games my 11th grade year. So I had no film. I'm stuck. And I'm lost, and I'm sad all the time. I don't like Cicely. You know, when you first met me, I didn't talk to people. That's basically how I was like my senior year of high school, like which mm. was really weird because I knew everybody at school. That was even more weird. So I guess we could fast forward a bit out of that. I end up getting accepted to Purdue, getting accepted to Butler, getting accepted to DePaul, and I end up getting accepted to IUN, obviously. But IUN was this thing where it's like. I was just gonna come to IUN to play sports. There was no, like I'm coming here because uh, education is great. No, I'm coming here to play basketball. Mm -hmm. And I got here and it's just like, the campus sucked. Like, <laughs> my first year, which was before COVID, I did not make a single friend. And I tried, actually. I remember, I was a business major, first of all. And this also goes into why I was so down. I did not know, okay, I'm not gonna say I didn't know what I wanted to do in my life. There's a part of me that did, but it, it's like you're scared to take that next step. And I always wanted to major in psychology in school, actually. Like, when I was in eighth grade, I did a whole project on this. And for a long time, my dad just told me, like, why would you do that? They don't make any money. Like, that's stupid. And it bothered me so much because I just, I just want to do something I enjoy and that's fulfilling, not just something that makes money. When I got here, I'm a business major. I hated all of my classes. I'm sitting in class, like, bored out of my mind, not having a good time, whatever. And I changed my major. And then my dad basically cussed me out because I changed my major. This is in 2020. Now, th I just had a certain episode in 2020. Like, I I'll just call it that episode. It was really a mental breakdown. The summer of 2020 was especially hard. Like, there was a lot going on in the world. You know, there's George Floyd dying and racial relations were terrible and then the election was coming up, all that stuff. And that weighed heavily on me because of like my position in the world of just being somebody who wants to inspire people or help or just be a leader. And that brought me down so much because how do I explain this? It you know when something bad happens to someone else and you just feel everything they feel, like that is exactly how I felt about the like everything that was going on, along with the fact that like I couldn't make friends and 
I felt even bullied at certain points by my teammates just for not being like normal. And along, like that affected me for such a long period of time. Like I had this moment, man, I had, I have these friends, had these friends actually. And you know, we just talk to them all the time about all the stuff that goes through my head, whether it's social issues or regular stuff, whatever. And I remember what triggered this was a conversation with my sister, one of my friends. I was on FaceTime, I was in my sister's room and we were talking about like, we were talking about relationships or something. And something that really blew my mind was the way something as little was like the way someone dressed or the way they spoke really turned these people off. And it threw me for a loop because I was like, well, I talk like that. Like I dress like that. Are you saying like I'm just not desirable? And I, trust me, I was already in a spiral. I was already overthinking. Now if I hear something like this, I just don't care, like whatever. But I was already in my head so much. I was just like, well, Maybe nobody values me at all. Like, it went from, oh, you just like that? Like, I just might not like you to, maybe I should just kill myself. Like, very fast. Like, do you know how big of a jump that is? No, yeah. <laughs> and. But that's what happens when you're in that state. Like, it can be the littlest stuff that can trigger you, and then you just get those dark thoughts instantly. It went really fast. Like, you know, you're just at a point where, you're kind of fed up with everything, you know? And well, what was going on in the world, why I mention that and why it even relates to me in general is because a lot of the opinions I had on that stuff wasn't like status quo. And I got a lot of pushback for that, you know? I talked a lot, I mean, hope this isn't political necessarily, but I talked a lot about like the Black Lives Matter movement and what it meant to me or what it meant to my community. And I started to realize quickly it didn't mean anything to me or my community. And why I say that is because like, I knew people who like died by gun violence and it wasn't police. It was people, I, other people I knew killing somebody else I know. That happened a lot. And I'm like, nobody talks about when somebody's friend gets killed like that or when somebody makes really bad decisions and puts themselves in these situations we talk about like when police kill people and i'm like why can't we talk about both and i got a lot of pushback for that and it made me feel bad and then people started telling me i wasn't black because of that or my ideas and just wanting to accept people not just oh like look at somebody and like see the race first just wanting to see people who they are regardless of that and now i see it as like that was an awakening for me in a very good way. But at the time, it pushed me down a rabbit hole of just like wanting to not live anymore. Like, I don't think people actually understand the effect of telling someone who's been like something their whole life that you aren't that because of the way you think. Like, how, how psychologically damaging do you think mm -hmm. that is? And it's just like all of this came to a point. I was just like, okay. I could either f say forget everybody or I could really care and try to change myself. Like do whatever they say I want. Like do whatever they say I should do. And it just conflicted so much in my brain. I was like, man, I don't want to like live anymore. Like this is terrible. Nobody values what I value. Nobody cares about what I care about. Like everything I talked about 
was on Atlanta on deaf ears. So in that time, did you ever try to just police people, like change your views and like, like we are talking about BLM, like did you ever just start agreeing with people? No. That was what kind of caused the turmoil too within myself. Like I wanted to accept this from these people, but I'm so set in believing this that I can't change how I think, you know? Like, and that's, I think, what caused like the suicidal thoughts to an extent. Feeling so completely misunderstood that I feel like only death could solve my problems. Mm-hmm. And essentially what that led to was like, just even when the elections came up, I just didn't trust, I didn't trust media, first of all. Definitely didn't trust media, didn't trust the government, don't trust people. Mm-hmm. It led me down just a rabbit hole of just not trusting anybody, didn't trust my own family to an extent. Like, even though I got through this experience, and this is gonna be very triggering, I can just, I can still vividly remember like the night I wanted to like actually do it. And it wasn't even like I had something planned, concrete necessarily, but my dad had bought me these Tylenol pills and I don't, first of all, if you, how, can you overdose on Tylenol like that? But I wasn't thinking straight and these pills are sitting on like my TV stand. I'm like, if I just take all these, like, will it just, wait, will I just pass out? Like, I'll I just go away? Like, that's the first thing I thought. And in that moment, I had this realization. I'm like, Louie, what are you thinking? Like, what are you talking about? And I just, like, cry. I cry for, like, hours. Like, I'm talking about, this is, like, like midnight. I don't, I'm crying until, like, 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning. And just having a whole, like, breakdown. Nobody, nobody in my family knows about this, first of all. Y'all go hear this, and y'all go think, wow. I tell my therapist this, actually. And this was, like, one of the worst moments of my life. Like, I'm sitting there looking at this bottle of pills, thinking it's going to solve all my problems, and realizing how deranged that is. And when I say deranged, I don't mean, like, this negative way of, like, crazy. I mean, like, you're so out of yourself that you don't even think that you can solve your own problems. You think the only way to solve your problems is by death. And in reality, that's a temporary fix. Because you might not be here anymore, but in that case, you cause a lot of pain. Mm-hmm. No matter what, like, people will miss you, or people will see you and empathize with you. And after that, it was just like, who cares about living? Like, I became very nihilistic. Even though I overcame the suicidal urges, I just started to believe that nothing mattered in life. It didn't matter if you had a coherent thought or an idea. It didn't matter if you were a good person. I had seen so many terrible people be rewarded, you know? And I think we all feel this to an extent, like, feeling demoralized because we see bad people still get amazing things, like an abundance of things. Like, how come these terrible people get these privileges? And then I'm sitting here and I have to be miserable even though I try to treat people well. You know, and that that lasted, man, for like a year. Like that whole thought process. Like I end up, you know, going through basketball season, and it was fine. Yada yada. This okay. We'll, we'll skip to like twenty twenty one. And I got a job at Walmart after basketball season. I remember just driving to work every day, and just really like, what's stopping me from doing it? Like committing suicide. And, like, this job was was terrible. 
nobody, please don't work at Walmart. Somebody listen to this, please don't work at Walmart. It's, it's not cool. But the job was bad. The shifts were terrible. There was one saving grace. There was this girl I really liked who I worked with. And it was the reason I would get up and go to work every day. It was the reason I would, like, this is sad to say, but, like, it was the reason I would, like, take a shower. Like, so when I decided to leave this job for another one, I told her how I felt about it, and it didn't go well, which also kind of caused me to spiral even more a little bit. Like, and there's a common theme here, like, not getting exactly what I wanted would just cause me to go down a further rabbit hole. I couldn't accept that I couldn't get what I want, mm-hmm. you know? So I work another job. That job was fine. Work the summer, and then we come to 2021, or I go into therapy. There was a ripple effect. Okay, so I had a friend I made in 2020, and then she was like my best friend, and then I had another guy who was my best friend for a long time. I basically lost both of them as friends in the same week. This was the first week of school, I'm pretty sure. So, just actually, I had class with you the day this happened, and I didn't come to class. You probably didn't notice because I didn't speak to you, but radio production. That was one of the classes I enjoyed, actually, because, you know, it's podcast class. Everybody in it was cool. I didn't speak to anybody, but what happened was my friend just started ignoring me, like the, the, the woman friend. She mm-hmm. started ignoring me completely and I was already in a bad state anyway because things were just going bad in my life but she started just ignoring me for no reason she was like one of the only friends I had over the last year and when she started ignoring me I was like I don't know what to do okay I knew where she worked I was like okay let me go see her at her job so I go see her at her job and she's like freaked out when she sees me and I'm like why is she so like freaked out like I just came to see her because she just ignored me now, looking back on it, she was obviously ignoring me for a reason that I still have no idea about to this day. Like, have no clue about. And I'm trying to talk to her, and she's just like, I can't talk right now. I can't talk right now. I can't talk right now. And I'm like, why? Like, I'll wait till you get off. Like, what time do you get off? She's like, I get up at 1, but I have stuff to do after I get off. Like, wouldn't speak to me at all. And then I text her. Like, I leave, and I text her. And then I found out like, she blocked me on everything no explanation like not one so i get in my car and i'm supposed to, i'm supposed to drive back to school because i had a class this morning actually already i'm supposed to drive back to school and go to radio production i get in my car and i call my mom and i'm like i don't know what to do like i just feel so alone like and she's just like what's wrong like are you okay i'm like no i'm not okay and this whole time I had been spiraling, starting, starting back from 2017, I never told my parents how I felt about any of this stuff. I never openly expressed it. I always decided, like, I'll be okay, I'll get through it. I'll be okay, I'll get through it. Somebody has it worse. My problems aren't that big. Nobody cares anyway. Like, all these thoughts go through my head. So I'm, I'm driving home crying my eyes out, just bawling. And I hate crying, first of all, because I'm ugly when I cry. I think, I think everyone has that ugly cry, you know. You, you'll be surprised. <laughs> but I'm crying, and I get home, and my mom's like, oh, my God, like, what are we going to do? And, I'm, and my mom's boss's wife is a therapist, actually. So she puts her on the phone, and she's talking, and she asks me all these therapist questions, like, oh, have you thought about, like, 
killing yourself. Well, she didn't say it like that, but she was like, have you thought about like committing suicide? Have you planned it? And I was like, yes. And my mom is sitting there just like, no. Can't believe it, you know? Mm-hmm. Just in shock. So, the next week, start therapy, like immediately. At first, they were gonna take me to the hospital, and I did not want to go to the hospital. First of all, getting put in a psych ward in the hospital sucks. Like, yo, you you don't want to do that. So next week, I start therapy, and I seen my therapist every week, probably until about May. Like every week until about May, I seen her. So that's a long time. That's like. What is that, like eight months or something like that? Like, very consistently. And I didn't mention my other friend yet because he played, he comes in later, actually. He stopped being my friend in August of 2021 for his girlfriend. Then, in December of 2021, he got in trouble and needed my help. So I dropped everything and helped him. And then he stopped being my friend again to get back with his girlfriend again. So that was pretty bad. And that was a major setback for me, too. I'll just say this. Right now in my life, I feel the best I've felt probably since I was like 16 years old, which is so sad to say. I don't know where I would be without all that, those experiences. I left out a lot of details, obviously, because I can't go on. I go on forever about all the little things that like bothered me. I tell this story to say that regardless of what happens to you, it's your job to reach out and find help. You cannot expect people to just know that you have issues. I had so many problems and I couldn't accept that the world wasn't the way I wanted it to be. I couldn't accept that good people get screwed over and terrible people get what they want. I couldn't accept that everybody doesn't think like me. I couldn't accept that people won't like me for being who I am, you know? I was so stuck in my whole life. Like I never had that problem. I never had that kind of adversity before. And I want to go back to that uh, comment you said earlier, somebody has it worse. So do you think that mentality made you not ask for help? Yeah, it made me not ask for help. Like, because I'm like, well, I, I got to go with my parents here. I live in a house. I got a roof over my head. Like, I shouldn't be playing about anything. That's toxic, though. Just because you have stuff doesn't mean that you don't have problems, you know? I remember there was like a thing on TikTok I saw and it was like, oh, the suburban white girls have the easiest life ever. And I laughed at it. I was like, oh, that's funny. Like I told my mom and my mom was like, you don't know what they go through. Like they might have some of the hardest lives and you have no idea. And that that really like, I was like, wow, like I've never thought about it that way. Because the way I see it, everybody has their own battles. And the more you are going to influence people, the more challenges you are going to be given exactly and and like yeah there's people like there's bad people who get good things like Mm -hmm. that's just how this world is going to be exactly there has been evil since day one on this world exactly and you can't eradicate that you can't control that all you can do is accept that it exists and go from there be the better person and i think in my in my own head now, I can see that part of that is, I brought up narcissism earlier. I think part of that even is narcissistic to an extent, thinking that you can change the world by yourself and 
it's egotistical. Mm-hmm. You want everybody to think the way you think because you know what's best and you know what's going on. Like, I mean, I still think I know what's best and I know what's going on. But <laughs> I have, I think I have good ideas, but I'm okay with the fact that people don't want to do what I do. Now, I've accepted that. Like, acceptance is important. Like, this is going to sound very messed up, but depression can be very selfish in a very weird way. Where you think because you're not expressing yourself outwardly, you're helping those around you or not putting a burden on them. When in reality, whenever that depression comes out, you put a bigger burden on those people than you would even think. And I'm not saying don't tell people about your depression or don't tell people about what's going on in your life. Do. Open up. But understand that by withholding a lot of what's going on, you make the problem so much bigger. It's like, okay. Do you know the story of, like, the man who rolls the boulder up the hill and then it falls back down he has to go back down and push it back up? Like, think about it like this. You're a little, you start out with a pebble and you push it up and you collect more rocks. And then it goes back down the hill where you get to a point where you might want to open up and then it just falls back down again. But this time it's a big rock and you just keep pushing it back up and down. You'll never get over that hump because you're obsessed with not putting a burden on others, on not opening yourself up because you're afraid of judgment, because you're afraid of not being taken serious. But I'm here today to tell you that when that pebble happens, it's best to address it than to put it in the background, you know? Because you're, you're acting like you're not putting these problems together and you're not accumulating issues, but you are. We all are to some extent. It, that's why it's important to have that support. And I've rambled too long. No, it's okay. Um, um, back to the you said depression can be selfish. Mm-hmm. So I remember thinking one time I saw this lady and she committed suicide. Mm-hmm. And in her suicide note, she said something like, "Make sure my kids know that I was like a good person." Mm-hmm. So she killed herself when she had kids. And I was like, "Wow! Like, how can someone do that? Like, I just couldn't wrap my brain around it." But then, like, I understand, like, when you're that deep and that down, like, nothing matters. Nothing at all matters. And that's where the selfishness comes from. And trust me, I don't mean selfishness like, oh, like, took the last brownie or something, like, crazy like that. Like, I mean, like, you're so in your own head that you... You're against yourself. Yeah, you're against yourself. You're against other people. You're against the whole world. And you don't even see it that way because you're so in your head. Like, Mm -hmm. The biggest reason that I didn't have friends to a certain point and I didn't even talk to like Cicely or anybody in real life media is because I just assumed they wouldn't care what I talked about. They wouldn't want to be my friend. That is selfish. I'm assuming. I'm not letting them make the decision to be my friend or not. I'm not letting them make the decision to care about me. I'm just making the decision for them. And I don't want to chastise people for depression or isolation. Like, no, I get it. I understand completely. I'm not telling you to go out there and just put yourself out there and everything will go well. No, it doesn't always work like that. It's a process. You know, you have to take these steps to get further, but don't be afraid to start. Don't be afraid to get somewhere. Mm. But do you got any other questions for me, Cicely? Yeah, so yesterday was your last um, therapy session, or not yesterday, October 5th. Mm. Can, Can you tell us, like, the difference between your first one and your last one and how important the last one was? first one was like just explaining like 
why I was there and what caused me to get there. So just explaining like why I had these mental breakdowns and why like why I had to come and talk to somebody about these problems. Yeah. And she like my therapist expressed to me like there's nothing wrong, there's nothing shameful about it, first of all. And when I was diagnosed, because I did get my diagnosed with like major depression and general anxiety, it was a thing like she didn't want to put a stigma on me. It wasn't like this is what you are and this is a label for you, like this is what you're going through. It's like an illness, you know? I think when I said earlier, like the pros and cons of the mental health talk today, mm-hmm. I think that is one. Like there is an over, like people call themselves, oh, I am anxious, I have anxiety, I have depression, when they don't know exactly what that is. Yeah. But um, it's very real. And like, th- I like how you said that you're going through it. You are not that though. Yeah, exactly. I was going through it, but that doesn't mean I was that. And also with that actually, one thing I learned is like we all go through depressive mind states. Hundred percent. We all yeah. have anxiety. There's no getting rid of that. Just because you aren't in therapy and you don't have like an anxiety disorder doesn't mean you don't have it. We yes. all have it. It's an it's it's like a it's a survival instinct. We have to have anxiety. We have to have like even depression to an extent. And this is this is gonna sound crazy, but I think anxiety is a good thing. It is. I think you sh- you can be able to shift it into a good thing. Like, for example, I used to be in a show choir and theater and you get like an adrenaline rush right before you go on stage and it's like anxiety. Like you're nervous, you're shaking, you're like really scared. But then once you get on stage, it goes away and you turn it into this like happiness anxiety. And like you still feel that anxious, but it's like a good feeling of it. So I think when you get anxiety, you can like direct it toward the direction you want it to go. Exactly. You have to that's one thing I definitely learned from therapy because I did cognitive behavior therapy, which is different from like, there, there are a bunch of different kinds of therapy, but there is no medication involved with what I was going through. It was like, it was all about giving me tools to learn how to reframe my thoughts and live a life where I can deal with my issues on my own and with the support of others. One thing I learned is reframing your thoughts, reframing that anxiety. Like, nervousness is gonna happen. Everybody gets nervous, even the most confident people. That's life. But you know what actually makes somebody confident is when they're nervous and they can push through it and still perform. That's what makes nervous, like confident people. When you're nervous and then you let the nervousness win, you let the anxiety win, it's like, that means you don't believe in yourself, you know? You don't have that belief. And, you know, it's okay. Everybody isn't super confident and they think they can do everything. I know I still back down from things all the time. We all do, but. That's what makes you confident. That's what makes you feel better about yourself in general. But I guess back to your question. First therapy session was very sad and me explaining everything and just me being down in the dumps and not being sure if I wanted to be there or not. Mm-hmm. And, and what about the last one? The last one was like, I was sad to leave because what I found out in therapy is that a lot of like the first five or six, five or six months of it was just me having somebody to listen to me talk. Like, I had so much going on in my brain. And having somebody just to listen and respond and actually care was such a big deal to me. Like, if something was going on in my life, I'm like, oh, I can't wait to go see my therapist. Like, I'm going to tell her all about this. Like, and we're going to have a good discussion about it. And it was a freeing feeling, you know? But that. 
like that last therapist and I was like well I'm not gonna have this outlet anymore but I've gotten outlets like you or like Caleb or a bunch of other friends I have where I can talk about a lot of these things now and that's very important like I think that's why my therapist was even so confident in letting me go because she's seen like she told me she's seen a big shift in me in a year and I did the work to get there and I was just like I, like I was telling Cicely before we started recording I like cried during the therapy session like and told her she saved my life because that's genuinely how I feel like well did, didn't you see that shift in yourself yeah yeah and that's what made me so emotional because I didn't think that I could have a meaningful life you know I didn't think that I could wake ever up. get out of that yeah mm-hmm. I, I didn't think I could get out of that hole like I feel like I was so sunken and when I had that last session it was just like this realization like I have come such a long way I did not see coming. I didn't think I could ever get here where I'm okay with my circumstances and I'm okay with like working towards something more, but I'm also like not obsessed with like getting people to want to like me or validation. Yeah, I'm not obsessed with that anymore. I'm okay. And that was the biggest thing. Like the outside validation did help though, like with from her and there were a few other people that I should talk about like um I had introduction to philosophy last last year around this time, and the teacher, his name was Britt Zeldin-Rust. Crazy name, I know. But Britt was a very big inspiration for me because he encouraged me so much. Like, in this philosophy class, it was a lot of discussion and just a lot of, it was basically you talk the whole hour, 15 minutes. Like, he kind of explains it, and then we talk about it, you know, and we just go from there. And he would tell me after every class, like, you're so good at this. Like you should do something to philosophy. Like I can see it. He's like, I see so much potential in you. Mm-hmm. And that, like, pour, like someone pouring into me like that. I had not experienced that in probably in my life. Honestly, like a lot of my confidence came from myself. Nobody ever complimented me for real. It was always like, that's what you're supposed to do. Having someone there tell me like you're actually good at something, and I appreciate you for that, and I want to help you with that. I got. I haven't talked to Britt in like months, but it was. It, it still. It was like that thing of like that belief, you know. Like in my therapist, same way. Like she would. She would be so happy for me when I came and told her about something. So having all these people that I did need some kind of outside validation, just not too much, you know. Like so from my therapist and then Britt telling me about how he liked the way I went about doing these things with philosophy and my therapist telling me like she likes the way I applied all these things to my life and then becoming friends with you Cicely and Wolf and but but you see like that validation is not like seeking other people's like validation it just happens naturally mm-hmm. so I think that's the kind of validation you need you just need to try your best because that's when you will feel the most validated like oh my gosh I cannot talk <laughs> that is that's when you're gonna feel like the best version of yourself because you are gonna be authentic that's what I was missing, though. Like, mm-hmm. I can really remember when we had Barbara Lack's class together, Introduction to Public Relations, the first time. And, like, I don't speak much. I didn't speak much before that class. If you tell Barbara Lack that, she probably would not agree with that. She would think, oh, Lewis talks way too much. <laughs> but I, you, you can attest to this. I didn't speak at all in the class we had together. Like, didn't say anything to Cicely. Not a one word. Like, legit. 
Sicily, you would even be at the games, I remember, because this when I was still on the team. And you would be at the games, Wolf would be at the games. Like, I would speak to Wolf, actually, sometimes, because I knew Wolf. Or I would speak to John, because I knew John. But as far as, like, really having a conversation, no. It was nothing. Mm-hmm. So you're right. Having that natural validation, like, you're just being yourself and someone compliments you, rather than you having to seek the attention is so much better. It's not cheap. Mm-hmm. It's not something that's manufactured. It's something that you do and have because you're genuinely a decent human being or you're actually good at something. Like when I take it as such a big compliment people tell me I'm well-spoken or that I'm articulate. Like that is such a big thing for me. Like One of the first times you told me that, I still remember that because that's very important to me. You know, mm-hmm. like I remember almost every compliment anybody's ever given me. As long as it's natural, as long as it's not one of those fake ones, like, you're smart, like. No, I think that brings up a good point, like, don't be afraid to compliment people because you don't know how much that can influence, like, their life. Like, they might be having, like, a really shitty day, but if you say, oh, like, I like your shirt, they'd be like, thanks, and, like, they'll lift their spirits. Exactly. And, Cicely, you have a bad habit of downplaying compliments, too, sometimes, like. I do. I'm, Yeah. You are, like, the hardest working person I know. And I always tell you, like, maybe I don't say I'm proud of you, but I'm, like, I'm happy for you. Yeah. I love to see you work hard. I love to see you succeed. I love to see you do great things because you inspire me a lot. I've I've told you. Thank you. Many times. You inspire me a whole bunch. It it does mean a lot. I just, you know. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I know how you are. I get it because I'm the same way. I'm terrible at taking compliments. My birthday was, like, three days ago. And having a bunch of people tell me happy birthday just felt wildly uncomfortable for me. Like, I don't mind being a center of attention, but, like, just having people, like, praise me like that, nah. No, my, my brother like is the worst about his birthday. He's like, oh, I don't want this day to be about me. I'm like, it's your birthday. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I feel that. I couldn't even plan my own birthday. I had Caleb plan, like, all the stuff for my birthday because I was really, like, I, I think that's pretty common. I was just really bad with that. I was just like, but back, back to... I guess it is important to have people in your life it's important to have friends and I think of course my story isn't over yet I'm still here still kicking and I'm still going in whatever direction I want to go in but people are what's most important not ideas not money not these material things not politics no people people are what is they make life worth living no matter what I don't care what anybody says to you. Living your life alone is a shitty existence, period. Being by yourself, we can talk all day about, oh, we don't need people and I only need myself. We all seek validation from others. We all want somebody to like us. We all want to be accepted. And to the people out there who have depression and think that there's something wrong with them, there's nothing wrong with you. You're human. It's just... You've thought that the people around you haven't been being human. They just have their shields up. And you realize that quickly by talking to people, by really going out there and putting yourself out there. If you listen long enough, people will tell you who they are. And I think that's, that's just real, you know? People mm-hmm. are what's important. That's the biggest thing I've taken away from my journey with mental health. People make life worth living. And once you realize that, you find a level of comfortability within yourself, too. As backwards as that sound, like, oh, how do you get comfortable with yourself? 
after realizing people are what's important. Because you understand that you're important too. You're a person. You're human. And every single life has like an impact on another. Like you see with suicide, like when one person dies, it affects a whole community. Like I remember reading this one little short story and it was like a sister writing about her sister who committed suicide. And it was like, mom still wears your jacket every day and dad can't even go in your room. Like it was just tragic. And like, I was like, it was 10 pages and I was just like sobbing by the end. But I think it's important to read those stories because you realize how much your life has effect on other people even when you don't notice it. One thing that kept me going through my phase of feeling like life was meaningless and I don't really want to be here was I had an image of my parents at my funeral. And that made me very emotional every time I thought about it. That's what kept me going. I never wanted that to be the case. Like, ever. For a long time, I kept that image in my head. That's the reason I got up every day, even though I didn't want to. And that was what pushed me to do everything I could to just be better. Even now, that thought is just like, that's what makes me live every day, you know? I'm no, I no longer really have suicidal thoughts. I no longer even think that way about life. But that whole idea just made me realize that people, no matter what, no matter what you have, you have nothing. If you have somebody there, you'll be fine. People in poor countries with no money can still have fun. People think that poor people just are depressed. And no, a lot of them have fun still, especially if they have family. Maybe they are less fortunate with material things. If you have family, if you have friends, none of that other stuff matters, you know? And it's the biggest thing I've taken away. Yeah, when you see, like, children in younger countries, they're all so happy. And, like, all they have is, like, a sack for clothing and, like, a, maybe a soccer ball made of, like, plastic bags. But they're, like, so happy with what they have. And then you see here in America where in someone has like all the money in the world, they have all these fancy sports cars and big house and they're just miserable. So that's just the typical like money can't buy you happiness. No, it can't. Like I understand when people say that money can help you. You know, yeah. it can put you in and a it's better important. place. It's it a is. tool. It's definitely important. But don't make that tool your whole life, you know? Like it's a quote from one of my favorite songs. Like, sometimes the pot of gold is the rainbow. The journey is always more important than the destination. Always. We all think we want all these material things and we want to be like these amazing people, but the journey to get there is what matters. Appreciate every moment you have now. Live in the moment. Don't think so much in the future. Don't think so much in the past. Have a plan. Yes, it's good to have a plan, but don't. Live your life so much that you never have fun, that you never enjoy yourself, that you're always just grinding. So, I, I listened to a conversation the other day, and this guy was talking about money, and he's like, the more money you get, the more problems or things you're going to face, and you're going to have to use that money. And I was like, oh, that's so true. Like, once you have more money, you have more responsibility and more things to do. So you just need to know how to use it the right way, because money is super important. But... It can be good and it can be bad. Exactly. And as much as we talk about mental health in general, especially on social media, we are the most materialistic we've probably ever been as far as Americans. 
we talk a lot about wanting people to be happier, wanting things to be better, and not wanting people to be commodities and people to be objects, right? But then we still treat people as such. We still behave as such, and we still value others based on these things. Why do, why do we take celebrities so seriously when they have any point of view, when they are still regular people? Because we value the fact that they have money, and because they have money, we think that they should just have some kind of other credibility. Like, no, some people with money are idiots. Like, have y'all not realized that? A lot of people with money don't know what they're talking about. Just because you get money don't mean you're smart. Just because you got money don't mean like you're just this amazing human being. Like, no, there's no correlation. That materialism, it, it just, it doesn't always relate to excellence. And we're living in the times where it's like the easiest, like, I don't want to say easiest as life has ever been, but like we have so much to help our lives. Like we have technology, we have healthcare, we have all of these like uh, services, but suicide is like the highest it's ever been. Suicide is the 10th most common way to die in America. Man, that's crazy. The land, like this is supposed to be the best country in the world and number 10th way to die is from suicide. taking your own life. And to an extent, I get it. I mean, we were actually going to talk about friends today originally, but I wanted to tell this little story. But what, what, what did that graphic say? Like, men probably only have one close friend now when they used to have, like, five people in general have less friends. Communities are, like, not communities anymore. There's no community anymore. None. So I'm not surprised. And I think that has caused a lot of mental health problems that people don't want to talk about. There's a relation between not having people around and feeling terrible. You know, we are social. We need people. I don't like when I see people talk about how they don't need somebody and they can do it all on their own. Like, no. Eventually, you're going to want somebody to talk to. Especially when people post things like that online. I'm like, you're posting to other people. Do you not realize what you're doing is... I actually just learned about this term. Have you heard of vague booking? No. So vague booking is like a social media term where you post in order to seek validation. So it's usually on Twitter or Facebook. You post like, OMG, I'm so sad mm. to get it like, oh, what's wrong? I've done that before. <laughs> I think we all are victims of it. But I, I, I've just like done some research on it. I'm like, wow, that is so interesting. Like we're going to look back and be like, why did we use social media in this way? we're lonely it's just mind-boggling it is but that's i went from talking about depression to loneliness but you know they, they all related together. oh they're all related yeah there's no getting around the fact that you feeling bad about yourself can be linked to the people you have around you or not having any people around you and no matter what anybody says getting a million dollars will never replace the whole of not having people there period mm. or even to this extent, like, this is more of a relationship thing, but a lot of times people would choose a beautiful person over a good person. And you see how that makes some of the worst relationships. Why would you get with somebody you can't communicate with? Because they're hot? Looks aren't everything. Or I've even seen, like, threads of people talking about how they with an amazing partner, but they leave them because of, like, sex. Something like you can work on, something that, something that can be a compromise, you know? Like, what are we really doing in this world now? We talk all this talk about mental health and about how it's important, 
but my my biggest critique is I don't see people actually taking steps to alleviate the mental health problems. Y'all talk all day, myself included. I'm I'm in this too. Talk all day about like trying to improve mental health and trying to be there for people, but rag on people for having problems because they're not shown in the way that you want them to. You know, like men who complain about women, misogynists. Women who complain about men are just. God, I hate all men are terrible. How about you go ask them a question? Why do you feel that way? Or even like when you see someone crying, like you just immediately think like they're weak. Exactly. But you you are actually more tough when you cry because when you are so weak and so like in that dark, dark area, you won't be able to cry. So crying shows that you are still alive and you're still like functioning. Oh, man, I... I remember being in such a depressive episode. Where you don't cry, you're just numb. Yeah, I mm-hmm. was numb. Like, couldn't feel any. I wanted to cry, though. Yeah, but no, I couldn't. I've just learned this. Like, crying, like, it's a sign of toughness because it shows that you can get through it and you're showing your emotion. And just, like, being vulnerable. Like, that is one of the most, like, the strongest thing you can do is, like, what you're doing right now, telling this story. Like, vulnerability is strength. Exactly, and we need more of that. We don't need stone-cold people in this world. It's good to not show emotions sometimes. In certain circumstances, it's not appropriate. You have to get things done. You've got things to do, you know? You can't sit there and cry at your desk because you gotta work, you know? You just gotta, you gotta work, you gotta get through it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you gotta push through. But when you're done, you can get a good cry out, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, there's a time for everything. Yeah, get, get your work done, do what you're supposed to do. But when you really need to let it out, let it out. Go talk to somebody. Do something about it, you know? My my old overall message for this podcast is just don't give up. Don't give up on yourself. Don't give up on the world. Don't give up. Don't be nihilistic. You don't have to be an optimist either. But don't be nihilistic. Don't think nothing matters. Don't be like me. Don't think that morality is nothing. Don't think that friends are nothing. Money, nothing. All these things have meaning. Every single thing in your life has some kind of meaning towards it. It's up to you to decide what that meaning is. And maybe you can't do that right now, but through steps of opening yourself up slowly to the world and to yourself, you find that everything around you starts to shine and glow and have color. So find that color, whatever it is for yourself. Thank you for listening to Just Life.